You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 911 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Sunday now as I'm recording this officially after the Saturday night game between the Hawks and the Portland Trailblazers. And today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com, use the promo code LOCKED ON, you'll get a 20% off discount on your next order with Built Bar. Obviously, the headliner of today's podcast is the game that transpired when the Hawks led by as many 16 points on the road against Portland, only to succumb by a six-point margin. Um, not a terribly shocking result in the end, but obviously a frustrating night if you are a Hawks fan in some ways because of the lead and the way that it all, all sort of broke down for them after halftime. We'll get into that momentarily. Um, a couple of injury things to talk about at the, at the outset here. Today was a two-week mark for reevaluation on Danilo Gallinari's ankle injury, and the Hawks announced... Um, within that timeline that he has now progressed to half-court individual workouts. He's now going to be re- reintroduced to contact activity. So a good a good sort of next step for Gallinari. He's officially listed as doubtful for Monday afternoon's game against Minnesota, but still the fact that he's not ruled out already is a good sign for Gallinari. So he's inching back, and the Hawks obviously need him, especially right now without Bogdanovich, etc. And a good piece of news there for Atlanta Injury-wise, in this game, Trey Young was on the injury report with, with back tightness. He ended up playing. He was listed as probable, um, was cleared early in the day, and was able to play. But Cam Reddish missed this game. He was listed as questionable originally with a left knee contusion, and then ruled out on Sunday. Sorry, on Saturday afternoon. Um, it was a tough night for that to happen because of his defensive prowess and the fact that they, could, they definitely would have used him on Dame Lillard, for instance. In this game, Pierce just said that it was uh, still sore from yesterday. It's a back-to-back. They're not going to press those guys necessarily, but... Um, hopefully not a long-term thing, but he was missed in this game, to be sure, as another wing option for Atlanta. And coming into the night, the Hawks were five-point underdogs, according to our friends at AG. So they lost this game by six. In fact, kind of a bad beat if you had the Hawks um, late in the game. Uh, the Hawks were, were down two in the final minute and a half or so and lost by six. So, yeah, it's uh, interesting. Obviously, I, I will say this, the Hawks played much better today than they did um, for in terms of the overall standpoint than they did on Saturday, uh, than they did on Friday, I should say, against Utah. And that's a positive sign, to be sure. It's back-to-back against a team that was well-rested. Um, the Blazers did have an injury mid-game with C.J. McCollum leaving the game, but I think overall the performance was not, was not terrible from Atlanta. It was just the way that it kind of flowed and sort of leans into the frustration of a couple of blown leads already this season, and we'll talk about that more momentarily. But as we always do, we'll dive into the game itself, sort of the play-by-play aspect of this contest. And at the outset, the Hawks played well offensively, especially in the first quarter. They actually started out with Trey Young on Dame Lillard, which was a surprise, but it also kind of wasn't because of the personnel the Hawks had available in this game. They started they started out with Kevin Herter in the lineup alongside Trey. It was actually his first start of the season for Kevin, replacing Cam Reddish. Um, but that kind of left them without that lockdown defender on the perimeter. Obviously, you have Hunter to throw at McCollum, which they, which they, which they did, but he could only guard one of those guys. So they had Trey guarding um, Dame Lillard. But the Hawks, the Hawks were pretty aggressive in sort of blitzing, pick-and-roll stuff against Trey and CJ. Uh, sorry, against Dame and CJ in the, at the outset. And uh, that was reasonably effective at times. I thought Herter had a, nice, had a nice start, a couple of quick assists for him, including the opening bucket of the game on a dunk by Collins. And then Collins actually had a nice pass to Capella for a uh, for to, to sort of draw a foul in the early going. 
Substitution pattern-wise, the Hawks played a very, very, very shallow rotation in this game. And with good reason. I mean, it's, it's just as a reminder here, the Hawks with Reddish out in this game were missing, you know, four of their top 11 guys in this contest. Um, obviously, writing that down would be Reddish, Bogdanovich, Gallinari, and Chris Dunn. I know Chris Dunn's not played, so even if you want to remove, remove him from the equation, you're basically missing three of your top seven, essentially. And that's, that's tough to get around, especially when two of those guys are on the wing. So the Hawks essentially entered this game with two wings that you absolutely trust um, in Herter and Hunter. And then you had Tony Snell, who played in this game, his first rotation minutes really of the, of the season so far. And then they had to go with Rondo and Goodwin um, as the other perimeter players. So very short there. And also, Kongwu did not play in this game. Um, unless I missed it on the broadcast and on, on the post-game Zoom. I'm not on the post-game Zooms always on the road for reasons. Um, but... It's one of those things where I think, if it's my guess, I'm assuming this is because of a back-to-back. They were not going to try to play Kong Wu right out of the gate. Um, you know, having, having not played in a long time, having asking him to play back-to-back games would have been a tough ask. That's my guess there. Uh, it also could have been just schematic because they didn't play another center either. They, they didn't go with Bruno Fernando or anything like that. So could be either way. I'm not got an answer on that just yet, but uh, there you go. It was a nine-man rotation with only one front court guy in Solomon Hill and then Rondo Goodwin and Snell in the backcourt. Um, at any rate, the Hawks were clicking offensively at the outset. They actually they actually shot 9 of 11 from the floor with 6 free throw attempts and 6 assists in the first 7 minutes. They scored 24 points in the first 7 minutes and were actually losing because Portland was really cooking in the early going as well. But then Atlanta had a 14-5 to run to close the quarter and go up by 4. Click Capella was awesome in the first half of this game. He had 11 points in the first six minutes that he played on 5 of 5 shooting. Granted, it was all like, you know, layups and shots that were created for him, but still, he was effective, and Portland's interior defense was not very good in this game, especially in the first half. Um, offensively, the Hawks scored more than 1.5 points per, per possession in the first quarter, which is obviously lights out. They shot 15 of 21 from the floor with nine assists. You can't ask for much more than that. Um, Trey Young was much better in the early going. Obviously, his second half we'll come back to later on where he really struggled. But the first half, he did have it going with 10 points and 5 assists in the first quarter. Made a couple floaters. And the Hawks had 22 points in the paint in the first quarter. They were really attacking the rim effectively. They had fresh legs, it seemed like, which was kind of a surprise. But it definitely seemed like it early, early on in this game. But defensively, they got carved up a little bit by Lillard McCollum. had 20, 22 points to combine, but still a pretty positive overall performance from the offense in the first quarter. Um, second quarter, not quite as lights out, but still pretty darn good. Like I said before, the rotation was pretty shallow. The Hawks um, actually had a 10-0 run between the end of the first and the beginning of the second quarter to go up by 9 after a Snell three-pointer. They went to a sort of a clear stagger between Collins and Capella in this game. Like I said, one of those guys played center the entire game, and they didn't play a whole lot together. They, I mean, they obviously played some together, but it was mostly a stagger aside from starting quarters uh, in this game for those two. Led by as many 16 points. Um, the lead was not the second half, though. It was a first-half lead. The Blazers got a, one on, the, one on one of their big runs late in the second quarter. It was a 20-8 to push by Portland to get that, get the lead down from 16 down to, to, to about 3 at one point. The Hawks did close a little bit better, going up by 7 at the halftime break. Still, the numbers were pretty good before halftime. The Blazers cooled off a little bit with their shooting, but they took care of the ball very well and also made, also made nine threes in the first half. But at the halftime break, Capella had 19 points, 7 rebounds, and 5 blocks, which is pretty darn impressive. Trey Young had 17 points, 8 assists, and 7 free throw attempts, which is good to see. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, at the half, obviously can't be too uh, upset with that, with that result up 7. 
Um, I will point out that, again, um, it's not an excuse, but back-to-backs, usually the fresher team has an advantage in the second half. That played out in this game especially, but we'll go over that momentarily with all the breakdowns of second half, individual takeaways, and much, much more. But first, a word from our sponsors, and one of them, our title sponsor today, is Built Bar. I've been telling you for a long time that Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and that is still very much the case, but also the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. The original flavors are fantastic and they continue to be so, but now there are 18 amazing flavors to choose from, including new selections like caramel brownie, lemon almond cheesecake, and and of course my personal favorite in cookies and cream. Each bar is covered in 100% chocolate and they're all soft and easy to chew, which is also very important to point out. And from there, I should remind you that Built Bar is also fantastic. For those of us trying to be health conscious, you can maintain or even lose weight weight while still enjoying something that's absolutely delicious. Bars are low calorie, high protein, low sugar, and high fiber. And Built Bar is even great if you're on the keto diet with all the nutrients you need. And again, a taste that puts other competitors in the space to absolute shame. In order to check it all out, BuiltBar.com is the place to go. Yes, it's BuiltBar.com right now and use the promo code LOCKEDON when you get there. When you visit BuiltBar.com and use that promo code, you'll get 20% off your next order with Built Bar. One more time, that is BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off your next order. Check it all out at BuiltBar.com and try Built Bar today. All right, we'll dive in with second half analysis now. Um, obviously, less favorable for Atlanta. Big picture, the Blazers won, won the second half by a final by a final score of fifty three to forty. So not an absolute blowout in the second half, but going from down seven to up six, the Hawks scored forty points after halftime. The numbers there we'll get into in a second were pretty ugly offensively for Atlanta after the break. In a hurry, Portland got the lead down to four. Um, the Hawks missed their first their first four three point attempts in the second half. There was a wonderful three quarter court pass by Trey Young to Kevin Herter for a layup to go by, uh, go back up by eight. Um, that forced a timeout, and that was actually pretty big. I thought after a couple of missed threes in a row by the Hawks, kind of uh, wavered a little bit. But then it was still a ten to two run by Portland to tie it at the end of the third quarter. Um, Hawks got some decent looks, I thought, overall, but the offense was definitely sped up a little bit with, with the second unit on the floor at times there. And in the third quarter overall, the Hawks shot 1 of 10 from 3 and only had 4 points in the paint. So pretty ugly there in the third quarter overall, and that continued into the fourth. Um, the Blazers took the lead for the first time in the second half early in the fourth quarter. It was pretty ugly basketball, honestly, in the first like three minutes of the fourth on both ends of the floor, both sides of the floor, everything. Blazers and Hawks. That was the second unit for the Hawks with Rondo, who was struggling, I thought, in this game. Um, and Portland couldn't really score with Damolo off the court either. Um, but Carmelo Anthony hit, hit a three to put the Blazers up by four with seven and a half minutes to go. That prompted a timeout by by uh, the Hawks. They brought Trey Young back at that point, which they should have. That was the right timing to do that. He got a floater and seemed to be getting back into it. But then uh, from there, a couple of backbreakers. The Hawks had a really bad defensive possession where they gave up. They actually gave up a pretty wide open three to Lillard, who missed it. That was a gift to Atlanta. But then they have an offensive rebound and then a three by Gary Trent Jr. to go back down by five. Lloyd Pierce mentioned after the game a couple of big offensive rebounds in this game overall, and I would agree with that. You know, Portland got a few, like they weren't absolutely dominant on the offensive glass, but a, a few too many and a, and a few big ones. And, you know, 17 overall. It was, it was on a lot of shot attempts. It was only a 29% offensive rebound rate. That's still more than you would want, though. A couple of backbreakers for the Hawks, especially in the fourth quarter. Atlanta was down eight with four minutes to go um, after just not scoring. They had 32 points in the first 20 minutes of the second half. That's just brutal in a lot of ways. Um, Play-by-play-wise, you know, out of a timeout there, down by four, sorry, down by eight, you know, kind of back and forth, back and forth. They cut it to six on a DeAndre Hunter um, set of free throws. And honestly, I'll just say this now, broadly speaking, in in the fourth quarter, the Hawks got stops. And Pierce said that as well. If you watch the game back, 
the defense was pretty solid in the fourth quarter. There were a couple breakdowns for sure, but I think overall you got to be pretty pleased with the way they played defense in the closing minutes of this game. Other than the rebounding, they were pretty good at everything else. The offense just did not quite get them there. Um, they did get lucky on a wide open miss by Mello, but then um, you know Hunter did all that. They get they get, they get down to get, get down to four with Kevin Herter getting to the free throw line, making two. They get a rebound there. A pretty bad live ball turnover by Troy Young, but then the Blazers give it back on a bizarre eight-second violation, so kind of a, a trade of uh, brutal turnovers by the two teams. Then Trey misses a floater, but Capella gets the rebound, cleans it up, and suddenly the Hawks are back within two at 106-104 with 1.47 to go. Now they foul Lillard on the other end of the floor, who makes both, to go up by four, and then Trey Young takes a pretty bad forced three on the left wing. The Hawks get a stop that, that they absolutely needed there, down four, and then Young hit a floater, over Cantor with 47 seconds to go. Again, back down by two. They get a stop on Melo, so the Hawks are now down two with the ball, less than a minute to go, but Trey took a pretty bad pull-up that would have been for the lead. It wasn't a great look. It wasn't a terrible look. It was makeable for him. He could make that shot. It was not a good look, I don't think, because the way that he was playing at that point in time wasn't wasn't necessarily hot. And, um, you know, there was some, obviously some... Um, calls for frustration after that one in my mentions on Twitter. It was not a good look. I don't think, I don't think it was absolutely indefensible, but it was definitely an aggressive shot that he did not make that would have been for the lead in that spot. The Hawks actually got a, um, got, got the loose ball actually off of Portland with 18 and a half seconds to go. So the Hawks get the ball back, back down to, um, after a review, it was still the Hawks ball, but then Trey gets called for a charge coming around the corner. Um, on Dame Lillard, um, it was actually not challenged. I thought it was challenged, and then uh, because of the way the broadcast was, and you know they're calling the games from Atlanta, I assumed challenge. I think everybody assumed challenge. But Lloyd Pierce said after the game it was actually an official review that was not a challenge. Obviously, uh, he could not challenge after that. It was, it was the official review makes the decision. Um, I think that it was not a great call. I think it probably was a block, quite frankly. But even on the first replay, I was pretty sure they were not going to be able to overturn it. You know, block charges are tough to overturn anyway. I was okay with the, the call not being overturned. I think it probably was not overturnable, quite frankly. So it, kind of a bad break in some ways there for Atlanta. But they go from down two with the ball. Trey gets the uh, turnover on the charge. And then they had to foul Dame Lillard, who makes both, of course, because he's a machine. And then Herter turns it over, and that's the end of the game. So it swung on that kind of late-game situation. The Hawks just did not score very well, quite frankly, in the in the closing seconds. Like That's, that's not breaking news to anybody that watched this game. But, you know, down the stretch, the Hawks ended up with 106 points. I don't know. It's one of those things where that feels, that feels like there's a lot. that's a lot of points scored in this game. But if you remember, they had 38 in the first quarter. That kind of, you know, takes the win out of yourselves a little bit. And, yeah, in the last four and a half minutes, the Hawks scored eight points. And that's even with, like, some scramble situations and, like, some quick fouls. So that's not good enough, quite obviously, on, on the offensive floor, offensive end of the floor. So that tells you how things went in this spot. So, some takeaways here. Broadway speaking, the Hawks' numbers do not look terrible in this game because they, you know, they, they've lost by six against a pretty good opponent on the road. That's all defensible. So, defensively, the Hawks did a pretty good job. They held the Blazers to 39% shooting. Now, Portland got up 44 threes, which is a lot, and made 15 of them, so which, that was not terrible defense there either. The Blazers ended up scoring 1.1 point, points per possession, which is not good defense necessarily, but Portland's a good offensive team. They turned the ball over, turned the ball over only eight times, but the Hawks did a pretty solid job overall. It helped that McCollum was gone, and hopefully, by the way, that he is healthy. I'm a big fan of CJ, and he's a good guy by all accounts. So I hope he's not hurt long term. But he has a foot injury. He left the game at halftime. 
but Lillard ends up with 36. He's always a problem, so it's not like a, a huge indictment of the Hawks, but they did a pretty decent job, all things considered, defensively this game, especially when you remember that Reddish is out in this spot, who's a good defender, and uh, left them shorthanded. So I really have no quibbles defensively. There's a couple things you can pick that you can point to. Like I said, defensive rebounding was a problem in this game, but overall, they did enough to win on defense. Offensively, the numbers are not great, and especially if, you're, if you remove the first quarter, they're even more brutal. So for the full game, Atlanta had a one had a one hundred four point eight offensive rating. That is not like absolutely disastrous, but it's pretty bad against a team in Portland that had a pretty bad defense on the court. So the Blazers don't the Blazers don't have Nurkic right now, who just got injured. And he's going to be out for quite some time. That means a lot of Cantor and Carmelo Anthony and Harry Giles and defensively the personnel. I know they have Covington and Jones, which definitely helps, but. Defensively, they're a below-average personnel team, for sure, in Portland. And the first quarter, the Hawks played great offensively, and from that point forward, it was really, really ugly. So here, here's the uh, the crazy stuff. After the half, time break. The Hawks score 40 points. That's bad. Um, but they shoot 12 of 41 from the floor. That's 29%. And 1 of 15 from 3 in the second half. Now... I'm one that will tell you that shooting luck eventually evens out. And Pierce got asked about that after the game. You know, they've gotten plenty of shooting time. You know, I think it's a little bit of variance in a negative fashion here for the Hawks. But at the same time, these are pros. you got to make shots eventually. Not even I'm going to come out and tell you that every time they don't make shots, it's just okay and they'll make shots eventually. They will, but man, just a brutal shooting performance in the second half. Part of that is taking a lot of threes. Now, I'm a fan of taking threes in general. I think attempting 15 threes and a half is like not bothersome at all. The Blazers took 44 this game. They took a lot more than the Hawks did. But the Hawks were so effective carving up Portland's interior defense in the first half that it's certainly a question to ask why they didn't do more of that in the second half. Now, part of that could be tired legs. On the second half of a back-to-back, you might want to settle for some more jump shots and all that stuff. I, I get that. But it's certainly worth, I would say, worth asking why the Hawks did not force the ball in the interior. The question is, and something I want to make sure that I say on this podcast, I heard a lot of stuff about, you know, Capella needed to have the ball fed to him and all this stuff. Capella is not someone that you just throw the ball to and get out of the way. Clint Capella is a play finisher. He's not a play creator. You don't, like, it's been a running joke, actually, this season about Capella's post-ups. Like, I understand the thought process because Capella had 19 in the first half, and that's a obviously a good sign, but you can't just throw him the ball and get out of the way. You have to run something. You have to set him up and have Trey do that or Kevin Herter or whoever, even high-low stuff with Collins. They could have done more to get Capella and particularly Collins involved in the second half of this game, but it's overly simplistic to just say that the Hawks should have just force-fed Clint Capella. That's not really how that works, given the way that he plays basketball. You do not want him going one-on-one, even against bad defenders. Capella is not the kind of guy that you want in an ISO situation. So, all that to say, the numbers were not good. Also, after the half, six six assists and ten turnovers. That is brutal on both counts. The turnovers are not, like, debilitating, but six assists and a half is, like, pretty all-time bad. The Hawks did have one positive in the second half, and that was 16 free throw attempts. That's pretty good. But other than that, man, it was pretty it was pretty brutal. And also, the Blazers were not good on offense in the second half either. They actually had more offensive rebounds, though, fewer turnovers, and they just made a, made a few more shots. And the thing that's sort of the elephant in the room here is that after a good first half, an encouraging first half, in which I thought he was much better than he has been in the recent past, Trey Young was brutal after halftime again. He was 2 of 12 from the floor in the second half, 0 of 5 from 3 in the second half, and, you know, it's, it's sort of simplistic in some ways, but 
it's going to be really hard for the Hawks to win against a pretty good team on the road if Trey Young is not good. And Trey Young, even if you even, even want to fold in his first half, he did, he did have 11 assists. There were some nice moments here. He was definitely better in this game overall than he has been in a couple games recently. But the inefficiency is tough to get over. And the second half, he was just kind of bad. It's just what it is, and you, it's hard to get over that. Am I worried? Still no. Um, but in this game, you have to attribute that. I think it's just going to be hard for the Hawks to win. And this actually came from Locked On Network CEO David Locke, who uh, sent this to me. I, I think I, I think also tweeted this, but at least at some point in the fourth quarter, Trey Young is now 17 of 53 from the floor in the fourth quarter of the season, and one of 13 from three, uh, with 12 assists and 13 turnovers. Like it's fourth quarters, and that's what it's winning time. However you want to say that. And Trey does have a reputation in the past for actually stepping up and making big plays and. I'm not worried, but if you want to know why the Hawks have struggled in the fourth quarter at times this season, um, a big part of that, it's not all of it by any means, this is not all about Trey, but his fourth quarters have been a problem this season, and it hampers the offense. Obviously, I don't want to go go crazy nitpicking on certain possessions in this game, but a couple of pretty bad forced threes in the fourth quarter, uh, a couple of bad turnovers that he made in the fourth quarter, and again, it was not just him. The Hawks just missed a ton of shots. You know, even with Trey going two of twelve, if you, if you take Trey out of the mix completely in the second half, the Hawks, the rest of the Hawks team was still uh, ten of twenty nine from the floor and one of ten from three. So those are still brutal numbers. Trey made them worse with his with his bad shooting, but it was a team wide collapse in the second half offensively. They just did not have quite enough of what they needed to have happen in the second half. So, um, yeah. Offensively, not good enough. Defensively, probably decent enough. And uh, that was not enough to get the win in this spot. Okay, we'll get we'll come back and close the uh, podcast out with some individual breakdowns of this game as well as a look ahead briefly to Monday. But first, a word from our friends at BetOnline.ag. The NFL season is winding down with only a few teams still alive in pursuit of this year's championship. There is plenty to discuss. And with that in mind, there's only one place that has you covered, one place that we trust, and that place is BetOnline.ag. You can sign up today for a free account at BetOnline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus with the site. On top of the NBA getting geared up as the regular season rolls on with great matchups on a nightly basis, there's dozens of college basketball games each and every night, hockey games ramping up, and much, much more. From there, the NFL playoffs are still in the center of the frame with two conference championship games this coming week and the big game for all of the marbles to follow after that. If none of that gets you going, there's a full menu of offerings for BetOnline on any sport you can think of. BetOnline also has a huge menu of player props as well as live wagering options, a ton of future bets, and even the weirder offerings that diehards always seem to love. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore. Instead, get in on the action, and do not forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit with the site. One more time, that is promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, we'll wrap up the show now with some individual breakdowns. Like I said before, at the top of the show, the Hawks played nine guys only in this game. That wasn't a huge surprise. Again, some high-profile absences, of course, with Reddish joining Bogdanovich and Gallinari and Dunn on the shelf. The four guys off the bench that played, um, Rondo played the, played the fewest minutes with nine. The Hawks were actually plus five in his minutes, but that was not necessarily because of Rondo. I actually thought he was pretty bad in this game. And also last night. So the, the two games that he's been back... Not pretty so far from Rondo. You know, he'll work himself into shape, I'm sure, and it's not it's not necessarily operating at his highest level right now. But he was 0-3 from the floor, did have four rebounds and two assists, but um, you know, a couple of defensive breakdowns. I didn't thought I think that he's pretty bad, and there was a reason why he was limited minutes wise in this game. He actually opened the second quarter and the fourth quarter, and that was all he did in this game. So that was probably strategic on some level. 
Um, Goodwin, I thought, played well. He was actually plus 13 in a game the Hawks lost, Hawks lost, lost by six. Again, not, that's not all him, but nine points, two steals, was four six on the floor, one of three from three. He brought some energy in this game. Um, I'm not sure if I would have done this, but I, I, I heard on the ATL and 29 podcast with uh, good friends of the program, Kevin Chenard and Glenn Willis, Kevin I, Kevin, I believe, sort of thought out loud that they might actually consider starting Goodwin alongside Trey, not, not in place of. And I actually would have maybe thought about that in this game because of the matchup, given it was Damon TJ maybe on the other end of the floor, so you're not giving up size and all that. Um, they didn't do that, but that was that was fine. Uh, but still, I thought Goodwin played well. He's earned some more time. And honestly, he's essentially been the third wing. At least he was tonight. He'll be the fourth wing when Reddish is back. But that's kind of a weird thing. I mean, him and Snell, who we'll talk about in a second, um, they're being asked to play roles that they probably weren't necessarily supposed to be in. And I thought Goodwin played hard and played well. Um, Snell... Like I said before, his first minutes of real rotation minutes this season, I think once he's back to himself, he'll be rotation worthy. Whether he's playing every night is another story. If you have injuries, he'll be in there. But 12 minutes, made a three, had three assists, three rebounds, and three points. He was fine. I thought he did his job, and it's just kind of a plug-and-play, 3-and-D kind of backup wing, and that's totally fine. Solomon Hill, 26 minutes. He was the sixth man pretty clearly in terms of minutes in this game. 3-7 of seven from the floor, 1-4 of four from three. I actually can remember all three of his missed threes right now, which is unfortunate for Solomon. They were all pretty open, so he's going to have to make probably one more of those in the grand scheme of things. But seven points, did have an assist. Uh, struggled on the glass, though. That's one thing you, that you definitely do give away if you're playing Hill at the four is some rebounding, especially when it's Collins and Hill together. Um, that's kind of tough rebounding-wise on the defensive glass. But um, I thought he was okay. He didn't play great, but he was okay. Um, to the starters, all five guys played 31 minutes or more, and that again tells you this is the second out of a back-to-back. You do not normally see, you know, four guys on the Hawks played 36 minutes or more in regulation. And again, back-to-backs, you don't usually see that kind of deployment from Lloyd Pierce, but because of how short the rotation was, this is a close game the entire way. They had to kind of push a little bit here, and that was definitely evident. The guy who played the least was John Collins, 31 minutes. He had eight points, six rebounds, two assists, two block shots. He was minus six. He had four fouls, and that was part of the reason why he played a little bit less. Four of ten from the floor, 0 of two from three. I thought he struggled in this game. Um, he was still making some some positive impact plays, but I thought, um, you know, the, the Hawks probably could have used him more on offense. That's kind of the ultimate question, of course, going back to the Collins-Capella conundrum. When they play together, there's not that much for Collins to do. Um, but I think um, he was not his, he's not his normal self in this game. A little bit more passive, a couple of uh, brain farts defensively, a couple of weird sort of ball stopping moments offensively. So, he wasn't terrible or anything, but I think uh, John's, had, John's had better nights, to be sure, and the numbers kind of reflect that in some way. Um, elsewhere, we'll go to Kevin Herter next. 36 minutes for Kevin, 13 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists, 3 turnovers. I thought he was okay. Uh, defensively, it's a tough matchup against Portland with a young Herter backcourt. That's just hard against CJ and Dame. Obviously, CJ, CJ only played one half, but Herter's defensively uh, is not great, necessarily. But I thought he was okay on offense, made some plays, a couple of nice passes that I can remember, I can remember now, um, you know, created some shots for himself, was relatively efficient. So uh, not a not an A-plus game for Kevin, but probably like a B-minus game. He was totally fine. Um, DeAndre Hunter struggled a little bit by his standards. 3-9 from the floor, 1-5 from 3. Got to the line, though, nine times. Was very aggressive. That's good to see from him to create some efficiency, even though he wasn't necessarily shooting the ball well. That's, a, that's an encouraging sign. 15 points, 6 rebounds, did a decent job on Dame Lillard when he was asked to guard him, and CJ as well. So I thought it was like a solid game for Hunter, maybe a little bit below average for him. Minus 13, but not necessarily reflective of what he's actually doing on the floor. So there you go on that. Um, from there, Clint Capella had a really good game here. Probably his best game as a Hawk 
25 points, 15 rebounds, four block shots, and a steal in 37 minutes. That's a lot of minutes for Capella, who's a guy who even in, even in Houston didn't, didn't play that much all that often. Um, 11 16 on the floor, made some of his free throws too, three of five, which is just fine for him. You know, obviously a tail two halves for Clint, who is much more involved in the first half. Credit to uh, Portland for adjusting a little bit in the second half of the game. Like I said before, you can't force feed Capella. He's a guy who's always going to earn his points on being set up by others um, pretty much purely in a lot of ways. Maybe you'll have the occasional mismatch where you can dump, dump the ball to him, but he played well. The energy level was good, especially in the first half. He was flying around, and that's good to see on a second night of a back-to-back from him. And then Trey Young, finally, again, we talked about him about a second ago, but 26 points, 11 assists, 7 rebounds. So those numbers are obviously encouraging in terms of just the raw production. 5 turnovers, minus 11. Uh, got to the line 12 times, that's a good sign, but 1 of 9 from 3, 7 of 23 from the, from the floor, and the second half numbers, 2 of 12 from, from the floor, and 0 of 5 from 3. So, you know, at the half, I had some sort of glowing notes to say about Trey. I thought that his first half tonight was as good as he's played in a while, so that's a good thing. Um, in terms of him breaking out of the slump that he's been in, but just the shooting's not necessarily been there right now. He can't really find it. I will say his floater was a little bit better in this game. He made at least two, maybe three floaters, and after not making many at all the last couple of weeks, that's a good sign for him to sort of unlock things, but the jump shot wasn't quite there. Uh, he did adjust well in getting to the line 12 times, so it wasn't like he was bad overall, but the second half was brutal, and uh, you, you just can't overstate how much that matters to this Hawks offense, and that was very evident in the performance of the overall team today. So, That'll do it for that that particular game, anyway. Again, the overall result, a six-point loss to Portland is totally fine in the grand scheme. It was the way that it happened, blowing blowing the big lead, and the way the second half uh, transpired was kind of frustrating. But on to Monday, and we'll talk more about that now. By the way, the Hawks are 5-7, and and they're still, even at 5-7, and still outscoring their opponents for the season. Now, you can talk about how much that doesn't matter. I know people don't people don't necessarily care about that, but it's usually a good indicator of overall team strength, your net rating, and the Hawks are still positive. Not not hugely positive, but still positive through, through 12 games. Um, I will say this right now as we transition, transition to Monday and then get out of here. Monday's game is uh, very, very friendly on paper. So Minnesota is bad. So <laughs> that's one thing. You're playing at home. Uh, it is kind of a grueling travel setup. The Hawks just played a back-to-back on the West Coast on Friday night and Saturday night. They get to travel Sunday, which is nice, but then you get into an early tip on Monday. It's still at home. That's a positive thing. And Minnesota is 3-8. and eight. They're pretty bad overall. And by the way, Carl Anthony Towns unfortunately tested positive for COVID and announced that. So he is by far their best player. And without him, the Wolves are the best, probably the worst team in the league if you, if you took Towns off the roster. So... It's a game the Hawks pretty much can't afford to lose. Like I don't want to say that it's nothing's a must-win in January of a NBA season. That's just not a word that I would use for anything. But the Hawks, you can't ask for a better matchup on MLK Day afternoon for the Hawks than having the Wolves come into town without Carl Anthony Towns. The Hawks need to win this game. I'll just be honest with you. Now Minnesota though is going to be fresh. They actually had their last game postponed. Have not played since Wednesday, so they will have the rest advantage to be sure in this game. That's unfortunate for Atlanta. But it should be some, uh, you know, not necessarily a full spectacle without uh, without fans there, but I'm sure they'll have some some new production. Everyone's always excited to play on MLK Day, MLK Day especially um, you, you probably get some NBA TV coverage, you know, n- more national attention, all that stuff, and the Hawks should be uh, ready to go there. But matchup-wise, you can kind of get what you want against Minnesota. If the Hawks have Reddish back, that'd be very helpful. We'll keep, we'll keep an eye on that right now. 
Um, as I said at the top of the podcast, Gallinari expected to be out. Obviously, uh, at least he's doubtful to play. Bogdanovich is definitely out. Dunn is definitely out. So the Hawks will be a little bit shorthanded. But we could see a Kongwu again in that game. I expect that we probably will on Monday. And then you throw in, if Reddish is available, the Hawks will be more closer to full strength. And that'll be uh, helpful in that spot. So we will not have another another show until after the game on Monday. And that'll probably, probably be a little bit later. Because it's a Monday, I, have, I will cover the game as I always would, but then I have some responsibilities after the game, so I think the show will not be up necessarily until pretty pretty late in the evening on Monday, so my apologies for that, some patience required on the holiday Monday that I thought I'd be working there, but it'll be a new a new show then, sort of our normal schedule, this will be the Monday show that they're listening to now, basically, to start, to start the week, and that'll be the Tuesday show, and so on. So, subscribe to the podcast, please tell a friend about the show, potentially uh, tell a family member, if you have a Hawks fan in your life of any kind, Share the show with them. If they don't like it, that's totally all right. But give them a chance to listen to it. Um, rate, review, and all of that stuff. Thank you, as always, for listening. I'm wrapping up this podcast. It's about 1.30, so I apologize if it was not ter- terribly coherent. But it's one of those things that happens on the weekend. So thanks for listening, as always. And we'll see you after the game on Monday. <laughs>